You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. All right. Starting over, but still in effect, the Detroit is Different Podcast Studios here at Kari Frazier. Once again, 2019 has not been one of the years that I'm rolling out the content, but I'm starting with some high content, some information for intellectuals. We're talking about reading. We're talking about books. We're talking about things that make up the fabric of the culture of Detroit. Detroit is different is built on the culture of Detroit. I think it's a lot of cool things here. It's a lot of different things you can get into, but the best thing about Detroit are Detroiters themselves. And here we have people from the source bookstore, a bookstore that features authors that come in and actually one of Detroit is different's best friends of Zenobia Jeffries <laughs> is big, big buddies with the Source Bookstore. It's one of her favorite places on earth as she's an avid reader, reading stuff all the time, suggesting books and commenting on books and talking books. And most of the books she's talking are from these two wonderful young ladies here in full effect at the podcast studio. So how are we doing today? We're doing great. Thank doing you. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you for being here. So this is gonna be a different type of interview because as much as it's about people generally on Detroit is different, this is kind of gonna be about a business. This is a big year for the business. What's so big about the business this year? Well, this year uh, uh, marks our 30th year of book selling in Detroit. That is phenomenal. <laughs> 30 years of selling. Well, really, being in business, as I always tell people, um, a lot of people look at businesses that make a lot of money as that's the testament of being in business. I look at businesses that stay in business the longest as the testament of business. So 30 years. Yes, 30 years of serving the community. And I always say the community are all the people either who walk in the door or in our early years when we were selling books at events such as bazaars and fairs and church basements and such, whoever walked up to the table uh, was the community. And even to this day, our community is from many, many places. And anyone who walks into the door uh, at our now brick and mortar location on Cass Avenue is the community. All right. So let's let's get into the story of like, this will be the first time I'm like interviewing a business. So <laughs> so the birth. We're, we're people, actually. <laughs> I know. But it's, it's like I want to give it as if the business is coming to life. So this it will is. be kind of like an anamorphism sort of. But along with that, Let's let's talk like what was the what was the idea like uh, opening the business 30 years ago? A lot of things were different in Detroit, the, the culture, the landscape, certain things, but certain things have remained the same. Well, actually, we didn't have an idea and then we dreamed it up and we did it. What happened is that we had opportunity and courage. So that's the hallmark, really, of our starting the business. I didn't ever think that it would grow that grow like that. And because we started by going to where people had events, as I said, in uh, fairs and bazaars and church basements where they invited vendors to come and set up a table, and we sold books across the table like that. And that was our first of um, incarnation, I call it, because that was, uh, since we've been in business about 30 years, it's about 10 or so years that we did that. Okay. Uh -huh. And then we graduated to... Uh, being a member of a collective of three women-owned businesses where the old food co-op used to be. Some of your uh, listeners might uh, remember the old food co-op on mm -hmm. Cass and Willis. 
So when that was vacated about a year later, four of us went together and joined together to uh, share the space that was there. Um, we started with four, and then we became three because our fourth person really did need more space. Hmm. And so I was there, the store was there for 10 and a half years hmm. until the building, which is the Auburn building, which is now on Cass, closer to Canfield, uh, was built. And they were looking for merchants who had been in business for a while. And I said, well, I fit that category, so I'm moving across the street. Hmm. So that's how we got to where we are today. Okay, so starting off vending, and now it's like they, they'll say like pop up shops and things like that. <laughs> no, it, we were never a pop up. Uh, the pop up idea is that you set up and you wait for people to come. Mm-hmm. But in a, in the early days, we were really considered people who came to a place that was already in, already going with people mm-hmm. and brought our goods to the people, which I really liked the. Uh, uh, the differentiating that concept because we are always going to the people. Now we have people coming to us now, but then we're always reaching out to where people are and offering what we have. I think even in the early days, um, our DNA was with us. So we're a nonfiction niche and we focus on um, categories like history and culture. So where there might have been uh, one of our books here, like Ivan Van Sertum was come before, they came before Columbus. Um, during our early days, he was out speaking in Detroit. And um, we had a lot of people reading um, him and, and other um, people like Chancellor Williams, Destruction of Black Civilization, that authors were actually visiting the city. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of people um, reading history at that time. And And we also um, would fend for the Ascending Church of the Cosmic Christ. So we had a lot of metaphysical um, books that we were selling um, to them. And so when you look at our store today, you see our major categories, our history and culture. um, Health and well-being. Health and well-being. Books that are by and about women. And metaphysical or spiritual. And then so, just recently we added the arts as a category, even though we'd always had books about art, about writing, about you know how to uh, c- create things. And so we've added that just recently. Yeah. Okay. And and this idea of of going to the people, and I'm guessing traveling with where the authors would be, mm-hmm. and, and then having having the information so people could walk away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, what were some of these events? What what were some of the places that stand out in memory as like, okay, this people are truly galvanized <laughs> by getting these books? Yeah. Well, my mother took a trip to Egypt mm-hmm. and um, we had, and she went on a study tour. So on a study tour, you get a book list and you read particular books that help you with the trip. And there was a group at Central United Methodist Church that wanted to know more about the trip. So how to know how to know more? Then you get to read the books. So we were there offering the books that were from the study tours list mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. others could could read it. And they were having a bazaar around Christmas time, and because we had. I had a little class with them. They said, you're always bringing these books to us. We don't know where to get them. So why don't you just come on and get those books and bring them to the bazaar and we'll buy them and that'll be that. Well, that was that. But then it really opened up an opportunity for us to uh, go to other uh, church fair bazaars, uh, street fairs, um, uh, 
people that had events going on at parks and other kinds of places. So mm-hmm. um, we just had a lot of places that we could go where people had gathered. Uh, I remember going to a um, event out in uh, way far out. It was it was past Southwest Detroit. It was still Detroit. And uh, I think it was at a seven-day Adventist hall. They were having a bazaar. And to this day, there's a woman that I met there who reminded me that she brought bought a book on beading. And she said it was the uh, most expensive book I'd ever bought, and I think it was $25 at the time. But it was a very large book, and it was very, and she tells me today that she holds it dear. Huh. But that's one of her books that really helped her along her way of creativity, and she does things in the arts arena. So we would go wherever there were notices about uh, offering vending spots for people to come to, and we would just go and take our books in the car and pull up and spread out and sell our books. Okay, and then also the the mother daughter combo of this Janet Allison the the that combo is is like is that love for books always been in the household was it just always like were both of you are always book lovers were you people in the library that like the librarians were like oh my god I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my grandmother, my mother's mother was a librarian. Mm. Um, and my mother became a teacher, and I became a teacher. So I guess we've always been around books and the value of what books can um, bring to people is always present with us. More information, more understanding. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. Well, she lived in the house with me. When I would go and she didn't have any place to be, I would she would go too. Now, she was old by this time. She wasn't really a baby baby because <laughs> I was, had been with the school district for a long time. Uh, but uh, during the, her teen years, she would go with me sometimes. And then she went off to college and I was on my own. And then when she came back from college, she had other things to do. And then over time, uh, we just sort of melded together as a... Uh, uh, pair uh, with the store, and then we've added people to uh, help at the store. We've had uh, we have two other uh, part-time people. We have some um, others who work on the outside. They don't really come in the store that much. So altogether, I think if I were to count right now, there are about ten people who really make the store happen now. So it's just not us alone. But I always say she's the brain and I'm the muscle. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, because most, that's the other thing, mm-hmm. and you, the reading, too. Yes. Uh, selecting the books that people will respond to. Well, the first part of that, I think we would say that we select, we curate carefully what we have based on the, our uh, our categories of books that we said, but we really have to choose based on what we wish to offer the public, because nobody can read the mind of people to know what it is they want. But the response that we get from people who come in the store say, wow, I see books here I don't see every place else. Wow, I really like the way you curated these books. Wow, I knew you would have this book. So I'm, this, this, is, this gratifies us because we do have to make selections. We cannot have every single book that there is in nonfiction. <clears throat> and because we are a small boutique 
a nonfiction niche bookstore, we can be very selective. So mm-hmm. I'll often say that we may be a little snooty, but we keep our snooty index in check by having some science fiction, some poetry, and uh, prize-winning novels. Mm-hmm. And the layout of the stores, you talk about just the design and the feel. It feels, it it feels like each section kind of has its own energy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. By design, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is by design, wouldn't you say? I would say um, the the books are very different. You mm-hmm. know, like the book Blockchain for Babies is totally different um, in shape so that those shelves are going to look so different mm-hmm. for the baby university versus um, the cookbooks, mm-hmm. you know, that are kind of big or bulky or faced out more. So, And then the, the other thing is that... Um, we can go deep in the categories that we serve, history and culture. So we can go deep there. We can go past, present, and future with those books. So we're very interested in new new releases. Allison kind of takes charge of that with the new releases every Tuesday. The new release Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she does the Instagram work. So she puts up uh, what's come in that day. In fact, uh, we failed to bring a copy of this to show you, but we're pretty excited about the Wizenard series. Go ahead. Oh, so um, basketball um, um, player Kobe Bryant started a um, publishing company, and he's focusing the company on young readers. And so he's working with Wesley King, who's an author, to produce a series called Wizenard. Hmm. And so it just came out Tuesday, and it's um, beautiful to feel, mm-hmm. which is very different for young readers um, and it's very thick to read so he says it's a combination of sort of like Harry Potter and basketball mm. clashing together that sounds very <laughs> yeah. sounds like you need it that sounds better in book form anyway yeah, it's like imagination right. uh-huh. is needed for yeah. something like that yeah. yeah, and I think the next one is going to be about a tennis player mm. well yeah he's going to change sports um, okay. and story 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 books, fantasy so. uh, it's and still sports be, stories it's still going to be fantasy mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. but it's going to be a story mixed in with a sport mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and and with with even making selections like that mm-hmm. uh, and then the, the strong holistic medicine mm-hmm. uh, in mind mm-hmm. uh, have you seen because I'm guessing that you see possibly a, a someone that supports the readers that support the bookstore mm-hmm. go through different life journeys mm-hmm. and they may start okay I, I want to learn about mm-hmm. black history yeah. it's funny it's like a lot of younger people are like mm-hmm. I want this and I want that yeah. And, yeah. and you know people hit me up and they're like mm-hmm. oh man you know you probably know all of this mm-hmm. and I'm like okay you probably need to start with mm-hmm. one of the first books that you said the Chancellor Wils- Williams Destruction uh, the, of Black Civilization yeah mm-hmm. it started because uh, my dad's books around probably like 18, 19 mm-hmm. um, and I would go so I would read my dad's books then sometimes go down the street and they're like rarely even open now in the shrine of the black madonna yeah. get some books um it, so that mm-hmm. they came before columbus i remember that book mm-hmm. uh the isis papers mm-hmm. uh, i remember that book it's a book my dad always said it's a tough read um yurugu mm-hmm. oh marimba ani and uh and yeah. that book and, and the theories in that book mm-hmm. uh also crises of the negro intellectual mm-hmm. so like it's like all these different books that just start like mm-hmm. kind of 
coming at you mm-hmm. uh black labor white mm-hmm. wealth mm-hmm. um well, of like read this read this read this <laughs> so like i'm I'm on that journey and then you're you're younger and then that person probably grows up to say okay now mm-hmm. i have children so now i need to go to the mm-hmm. baby university yeah and yes. baby university is leading me to holistic healing <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know? The other thing is that we're very conscious of the books that were popular with people, say in the in the eighties uh, and nineties. Mm-hmm. And however, we're almost up to two twenty now, and a lot of books mm-hmm. have been published by a lot of different people mm-hmm. uh, around some of the same interests and needs and subjects. So the 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 there's a book that we have here called "The Warmth of Other Suns," and Allison brought some stats with her today. Uh, that talks about the number of books that we've sold. This book is by Elizabeth. Uh, um, Isabel Isabel Wilkerson, excuse me, mm-hmm. Isabel Wilkerson, who wrote a it's kind of a thick book, and she wrote about the great migration of African American people from the South mm-hmm. up the East Coast, from the South uh, through the middle of the country, and from the South out toward the West Coast. And she went and found some people who had made that journey as uh, migrants. Uh, between 1914 and 1970, that's a long time period that she yep. talks about the migration. And I really hadn't thought about the length of time, but she she looks at 1914 and 1970. So just the other day, somebody was in the store who said that their parents came here in the um, late 80s. Mm-hmm. So she was just about right on. They came up from Mississippi just at that time. So um, I'm very interested in people having books that are also current uh, reads about uh, the history and culture of African American people in in the United States, as well as internationally. So there was a big um, interest in the book Barracoon by uh, Zora Neale Hurston, which is a novel. And we do have a few novels in the store, and that got a lot of attention na- nationally. And we had it in the store as well. But along with it, we had uh, discovered a translated book called Old Slave Man which came from Martinique, and it was first in Creole and then in French and then translated into English. Hmm. So we like to put those kind of books sort of side by side to see that there's not just one book that can lead you into that kind of knowledge base, but there are many books Hmm. that do that, and there are also books that are now and and previous as well. And if I can add the um, book that came out I think last week or so, um, American Founders, mm-hmm. and it's about um, African American people of African American descent um, that sorry established freedom in the New World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the all of this is definitely um, fascinating uh, when we think about the information to be offered mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. along with this and generally when we have the Detroit is different talks from the culture it's still a business itself too mm-hmm. um, it, in this uh, as as things have changed in that 30 years of the way people receive information people even read information even interpret information because mm-hmm. I've I've noticed you know, novels, historical books change in text and context, the way they're written, even the way that um, research is acknowledged as research nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, What impact has that had on the the public, the the people, your your buyer, your your customer base? Well, I I really think that people are always in a dynamic growth position. They're not static. They haven't, they don't learn and then quit, Mm -hmm. but they just continue to learn and experience 
have experiences and need to learn again or learn some more or learn in, in advance. When we first started, I think that the books, the category of history and culture was probably our strongest category. Mm -hmm. But because we were also interested in metaphysical spiritual books, we had those. And I always felt that health and well-being was vital and uh, very important to uh, everyone, but particularly to African-American people who seemed to suffer uh, a number of uh, ailments and diseases. And um, then books, I thought buying about women was very important because oftentimes the voice of women uh, is, uh, is not really heard in, the, in literary in the, quite the same way, although that's changed dramatically now. We have many women who are writing on, on lots of different subjects, uh, a lot of new young women, women from other countries. We have a lot of Nigerian uh, uh, books that are coming through. So the, the customer's interests are changing based on what is available and also life experiences. Um, so we try to respond to that as much as possible and at the same time stay clear about what, our, as Allison calls it, our DNA is, what our core uh, offerings are are and, and subjects and there's so many books now that are uh, on the market and they come in all the time so we're always scouring catalogs and the other thing about people is that people are finding out about books in so many new and different ways now they're getting mm -hmm. information across their phones on the computer on the radio uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I think everybody this podcasting has yes, definitely impacted yes, right? a lot of people's interest in books. Yes, mm -hmm. uh -huh. and um, almost any station that you turn on, whether it's radio or TV, somebody's going to say something about a book mm -hmm. now. At one time, books were, were um, reviewed. reviewed. In the newspapers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not so much anymore. Yeah, and the magazines, and there was a little period where booksellers had to kind of figure out, well, how do we get people to know about this? So... Uh, we're members of the American Booksellers Association, which is the national organization of booksellers, independent booksellers in the United States. And I have to say it's been a big um, business um, support for us in the, in the book industry. Uh, they help us to know about how books are put together. We meet with publishers. We have sales representatives. Uh, we go to book trade shows. We go to a, a once-a-year meeting, which is called Winter Institute, in which we have classes where we learn about things, about trends, about marketing, about other bookstores and what they do. And all it, they always take us to bookstores in the place where we are. We were just in Albuquerque in January. And... Um, bookstores in Santa Fe and uh, places. So the the uh, support to bookstores is, is really great. Mm. And um, I like to say, I hope I'm not being too commercial here, but I hope people will consider uh, careers in the book industry. It's a global industry. There are mm. many kinds of bookstores and book um, ways to be in the industry. They need editors, they need copy people, they need des uh, book cover designers, sales representatives, and it's, it's a huge industry. And I think that there's a lot of place for people to uh, carve out a career in the book industry. And I think you were saying that um, all the different ways People are get, getting their books in different places, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes they're reading it on their phone. Well, we'll we have an option with Libro FM that um, 
any book that's out there, maybe it's not even a book that we have in our store, mm -hmm. um, through our bookstore, you can um, listen to an audiobook. Mm. And it's um, for independent bookstores, and you can link on to your bookstore um, and then get that book through, the, through that bookstore. Um, and it's um, very competitive with Audible. Um, and it can you can pause it or you can continue it through the year. Um, but it's so Libro FM is another way that you can um, get a book from source booksellers in a um, different way. Maybe you can listen on your phone or on your computer. And we're finding that be, uh, people are really busy. And so we have a rule at the bookstore. And we say, when they say, we're really busy. I want to read. I said three pages a day every day. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Three pages a day, every day. And people usually say, Whew, I can do that. And then I hear people say, I need to finish all the books I have. I said, well, that's is that a rule that you made up? Or is that how did you get to that, that you feel like you have to finish? <laughs> I said, the book could be, you might be finished with the book, but the book may not be at its end. So there are a lot of ways to approach books and reading. The mm. other thing, because we are a nonfiction niche bookstore, most people have learned to read through stories. And the... Mm. the um, Nonfiction category may not have been offered as freely as it is now. What we found, though, with the statistics that we get through American Booksellers Association and Publishers Weekly, is that nonfiction is outselling fiction now, even with children's um, uh, books, the young readers, those. Uh, uh, we have a series of the, the little books called The Blockchain for Babies, uh, ABCs in Space, um, ABCs of Math, and so on, those uh, books. So it's wonderful that we can offer the, um, the idea of nonfiction books. Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing you should have. I think that in this book that uh, Toni Morrison just put out, which is such a magnificent book, it's called The Search for Our Self The Source of Our Self Respect. Mm -hmm. Self-regard. Our, our, our source, the source of our self-regard. That's the name of it, but Toni mm -hmm. Morrison. And she does a whole piece in there. These are books of essays, meditations, and speeches that she's written. And she makes uh, a comment that it may be that the only place that we're able to see and absorb truth today is in fiction. And I th in literature, she said literature, and uh, particularly uh, in fiction. And I thought that was so generous of her to talk like that because I hadn't thought it. it's because those books are getting to the internals of people's thinking. And uh, this idea of memoir is very big right now, that people want to find out other people's stories and how mm -hmm. they made it through, so to speak. Yeah. And so there, there's just so much that can be acquired through reading and through books and through literature. And we have some graphics in the store. Um, we're not a comic book store, but there, for example, our uh, Kindred book by... Um, Octavia Butler uh, has been turned into a graphic, a graphic novel. And it's just amazing to me that all that was even done, but it's there in the store and people who are wanting to have a more of a pictorial uh, view of the information, uh, there it is. We also have the the hip hop book. What's his name, Allison? <laughs> It's called. Hip, it's the Hip Hop Family Tree. The Hip Hop yeah. Family Tree, and yeah. there are four different books that go across um, a time period of eight, 1987 through so about. So, like the start of hip hop. Exactly. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. yes. Yeah. But those are all graphic, and they yeah. are absolutely beautiful. You can buy them either in sets or by one number one, two, three, or four. Mm -hmm. 
So there, there are many ways to acquire knowledge, but uh, I think that the, um, the telephone, the iPhone and the iPads and all the devices will help you get to at least the surface of information, but books, unlike movies, will help you to really go deep into a subject or, or to arouse your imagination, uh, help you to really fantasize about what's really being said in the book. Uh, and not just giving it to you, boom, on a flat surface. Yeah, I, I believe that uh, definitely I'm more of a nonfiction reader mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot for me to read fiction. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, it would, I can't even tell you, what was the last fiction book? I, I can't mm-hmm. even tell you, but nonfiction, I enjoy mm-hmm. often. Sometimes memoir, sometimes just studies on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I do, I'm, I'm big on, I believe, just even in designing websites myself and the work that I do, mm-hmm. uh, it's so easy to manipulate online information. Yes. So mm-hmm. the more we get away from the actual um, the actual text we can hold in our hands, you know, that text we can hold in our mm-hmm. hands, those words won't change. Mm-hmm. And my fear, and people can say this is conspiracy or whatever, but just, just the realism uh, uh, of some of this information not being readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the books I have even in this house, like mm-hmm. I have my library of my marketing books mm-hmm. for, for business. And mm-hmm. then I have like a lot of some of my favorite black, you know, mm-hmm. black books. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them are, are talking points mm-hmm. of things. Like mm-hmm. I have some of those George Sabura business books. And some of it is like, uh, it's a good snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. But that's a classic series mm-hmm. that, uh, of how he was writing books from the perspective that I need to have a better understanding of that time in black business exactly. so that I can grow exactly. in business. Exactly. And that's why I believe the text mm-hmm. is so important. Well, a book uh, with text is a direct connection between the writer and the reader. Mm-hmm. And it's coming through the hands and the eyes and the mind. So mm-hmm. all of those parts of a person, both who have created the book and who read the book are connected. So there's a almost a spiritual connection between all of that. And when you insert, it seems to me, this is my opinion, when you insert the digital piece, we don't always know what to do with it in terms of our mind space. I mean, where is that? I mean, sometimes you don't know if it's present, past, future. Uh, you don't know if it's been written by a group of people or one person or... Yeah. You don't know where their ideas are coming from. So it gets to be another challenge as to how to take in uh, digital information and electronic information. And we're learning. We're learning about the that. User, it, we mm-hmm. often talk mm-hmm. about that. It's mm-hmm. funny. I have some books on that. The mm-hmm. user experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a, a more a more relevant way of looking at that for more people to, especially in our community Mm -hmm. is uh, if you have the Bible app on your phone Mm -hmm. and you're sitting next to somebody that actually has a Bible, depending Mm -hmm. on the version, Mm -hmm. you'll be reading the text and you'll run into something where this person is saying something completely different. Also, it's going to be missing a lot of the context to, 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 to understand it. Mm -hmm. I think the Bible Mm -hmm. I was old enough, but like when somebody said, okay, you have to know how to read the mm-hmm, Bible, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. more than just the Bible like that. A lot of books are like that. Yes, you have to have true. the context yeah. for. And, and the time period in which it was written. Mm-hmm. And then we have a tendency to put on that time period what we know today. But instead of having that time period really speak to us and how things are. Um, we just went to the event at the library, uh, the Detroit um, where they released Mercy. their 
Oh, I Mercy thought you were going to say when they release their book list. Yeah, we do. Uh, Mercy oh, Law School yeah, mm-hmm. did a very um, a wonderful program uh, commemorating the 150th year. 160 year anniversary of the meeting of Frederick Douglass, John Brown. Webb. Um, Lampert. Lampert. Mm-hmm. William Lampert mm-hmm. at William Webb's house in Detroit, mm-hmm. which the location has a historical marker there. It's on um, the Larnard side mm-hmm. of the Blue Cross building downtown. And so that was mm-hmm. the meeting. Right. And they brought in uh, an author who had written a book uh, some years ago, maybe less than 10 years ago, um, Reynolds, on John Brown. So it's a really an up-to-date book on John Brown and the collaboration that all of these people were having during that time period. And you think, I often hear people say, we don't get together. Well, yes, we do. <laughs> but where, when, how, and for what purpose, and how that particular meeting sprung into a lot of abolitionist mm-hmm. activities that uh, in other parts of the country. And uh, it was just really, really hmm. interesting and wonderful to hear and such a... Um, understanding that there are people working to do so many things in this city that we don't always, that everybody doesn't always know about, Mm -mm. but the work is still being done and the impact of it is still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's a good example. So there was an event and Detroit um, Mercy Law School Mm -hmm. um, had like a book signing and all that. But at our store, the way we celebrated it is we had the um, Reynolds book, um, The Abolitionist. And then we also had the W.E.B. E. Du Bois account of um, John Brown, of John Brown mm-hmm. um, with a introduction by David Rodiger, who wrote Wages of Whiteness, mm-hmm. um, together um, for people who might have been interested in the anniversary to get uh, to get. To as get much. more perspective mm-hmm. on what's happening yeah, as it's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see yeah. a larger view, a more global view mm-hmm. uh, from this time period. And Rodiger is current, is a, is a, is a, a current writer. He's a, a, a white man who was born in Mississippi at the time <laughs> the three men were murdered there. And he uses that uh, condition that he was born into as a place to jumping off into his study of what whiteness uh, means, means and is all about. So, I mean, it's just it's, the world is vast in terms of reading. You can learn so many things from so many places. So, so with this, uh, the, you you brought a stack of books here. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, and I guess I, I should know that a per, uh, people that love this walk with it. Let Let me ask you this: at, at your own home. Like what? 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 Are, what books are you reading? Like th- I generally, anytime a musician's here, I'm always asking what what songs are you playing right now. Mm-hmm. So what books are you reading right now at your house? Uh, what What's sitting around? Do you have like a a, a book you you look at? Like okay, this is the, you know I may look at this for 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 fun. This is like where I'm studying history. This is my holistic book. What's what What's your reading list? Yeah, okay. Right now. <laughs> well, first of all, my books are all over everywhere at home. I'm, sometimes I feel embarrassed for myself, but since nobody can see it much but me, <laughs> it's okay. okay. But one that I'm reading, a, a large book I'm reading now, I just spoke of the Toni Morrison book, um, The Source of Our Self-Respect. Um, and they're small pieces. They're maybe three or five pages at the most. So I'm reading that one. I'm also reading a little book. We have a new series of small books, single subject books uh, from uh, Bloomsbury, the company. I have to 
say all that to get to it. Uh, but this one is called <laughs> a veil. So it's a the a woman is writing about the veil and what the veil has meant in history and cross cultures, hmm. uh, and what it was for her as a Pakistani woman, uh, and what it meant when she was uh, put in position to be married, and what it meant. Uh, what, what she saw it meant when people were fully veiled. And uh, mm. so that book is really, really interesting. It's a small book, so I read a little bit at a time. And um, then I have another one um, that just, we get we oftentimes get pre-publication copies or advanced mm. reader copies. So I'm reading into a new book by David Marinus, who wrote the book, The Once in a Great City, who's an associate editor at the Washington Post, and actually was born and grew up in Detroit and wrote that book about Detroit when he was moved by the ad advertisement during the Super Bowl mm-hmm. for the this is the Chrysler 3000. Yeah, one made of those, in Detroit. Yeah. yeah, and he was so moved by that that it took him back to re-look at his early life and then to talk about Detroit at a particular time period. So well, I always have a lot of books going at one time, and then we, we read a lot of uh, reviews and catalogs and so on, too. Um. I'm not reading it, but I'm really excited about the Object Lessons series that my mom was talking about. Um, she's reading one on Veil. There's another one on hood, on the hood. Hmm. Or, and like the hoodie. Those, like, like the hoodie, the hoodie. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they're Traffic. really, really interesting. What am I reading? I am trying to finish and still excited about The Color of Money by mm-hmm. Mesra Baradaran. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's the book on the history of black um, banks and the like wealth and the um, the wealth gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was suggested that I need to read that from a couple people. Mm-hmm. They were like, "You probably like this." Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that's good. It's really good. And I'm mm-hmm. also um, I am reading, and it just came out the book um, when spring came to the DMZ. So it's a children's book about what spring looks like in the demilitarized zone. I never really knew what that looked like. Between and North so, and South Korea. Between North and South Korea. Mm. Yep. So mm. it's sort of a neutral area with lots of fences mm. um, and um, soldiers on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of nature and animals. And, and they're crossing <laughs> back and forth all the time. All the Nobody time. stops them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the grass grows and everything. Got, yeah. Got so, yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there, are, there are lots of uh, books and I have had to learn to um, do deep skimming mm-hmm. of a book because, you know, there are a lot of words in a book. So learning to do deep skimming, learning how to approach a book, learning how to see what it is about. Um, and I do try to share that with customers as well, that you don't have to flip to find uh, something in a book to know what the book is. But there's a systematic way that you can uh, learn about a book without, you know, reading the whole a whole book um, and then that will tell you whether you want to read more in it mm-hmm. as well and so um, yeah right now <clears throat> it's as the discussion of reparations is popping up mm-hmm. I guess it's like a hot button topic it's always been a hot button topic with me mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the debt Randall mm-hmm. Robinson mm-hmm. people have been asking more and more and I'm mm-hmm. like okay well some of some of this discussion was he, he kind of broke a lot of this down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with that book and I think that I don't even I, I ended up with that like uh uh 2000 and mm-hmm. <sighs> about eight nine yeah mm-hmm. yeah something like that maybe mm-hmm. like 2012 after mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I know now 
it 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 brings in like the context for like okay some of this research has been done but then also like we have the history of people like reparations ray Mm -hmm. jenkins jenkins Mm -hmm. here in like the city of detroit which um that that balance Mm -hmm. of also being a resource for some Mm -hmm. of the people here as the fabric of a lot of movements tied to the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. And that brings people into your bookstore Mm -hmm. looking for that nonfiction information Mm -hmm. when they're going to say, okay, Mm -hmm. I need this argument on Mm -hmm. reparations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What book you got? Well, I think we have one is the color of law. Mm -hmm. um, And that talks about the housing policy policy discrimination. Mm -hmm. I actually Um, bought that from you guys. The um, Mesra Baradaran, the color of money. Mm-hmm. Because it says what happened to our money. She gives a wonderful example of how we were told to save our money right after slavery and put it in a particular bank. And Congress was going to keep us for us. And then they lost it all. Mm-hmm. So we're at zero again. So it's just like mm-hmm. these arguments we have to have. There, we have more information now because that have um, more um, detail mm-hmm. to um, how we either lost wealth or um, or what what should America pay? We have a book like that. It's called Should America Pay? And then we mm-hmm. also have the debt. Um, and we also have just a lot of other history books on um, things like Black Fortunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Shomari Wills mm-hmm. um, wrote a book about six individuals who became um, millionaires um, Right after right slavery. after enslavement, mm-hmm. um, but he also sheds a lot of light on just the whole situation um, at the time, based you know taking a look at their um, plight and, and where the things they had to deal with the um, things that they had to deal with. Yeah, and the, the, uh, the their top barriers floor, at top floor of the. Um, of the Smithsonian African American Museum. I don't know if you all have been there yet, but in the top floor they have like some featured things and and just going through the top floor when they're talking a little bit more to business and some entrepreneurship mm-hmm. you have to like and that's one thing I, I personally this is a Kari Fraser take not even a Detroit is different take <laughs> one of the things about the Smithsonian Museum as great as it is it's like some clear information that's left out like damn this, this is great you got all of this information but you clearly if you have all this information on who this black person is, you know who these people in these white sheets are. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's like, who are they? You know, who are they related to? You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's so much coming along now and people are, I think that the, there's a great value in the internet and the explosion, the information mm-hmm. age and the uh, communication age that we're in now. So there's just a huge explosion of, of information. We don't want to leave out uh, the, in, of the conversation a purchase a person such as um, Brian Stevenson, who wrote the book Just Mercy, and he spent all of his life energy up to up to this point and on. I hope in researching people who are in, first of all, death row, but then he's made a whole museum in uh, Alabama, in uh, Montgomery, uh, called the Lynching Museum. And he has sent out troops of people to find the spots where people were lynched, Hmm. uh, dug up dirt 
put it in jars to know that their blood was there. I mean, this kind of hard work, I mean, it's gruesome and grueling and all that. We don't want to look at it. But Brian Stevenson is a voice that we really need to raise up and understand that he's bringing to the table information that will help us to begin to understand what happened and to resolve some of the pain and the wounds that were uh, that, that we still carry. Which that leads to the natural next question is I, I speak frankly about the information too. It, it, mm-hmm. And it's been horrors mm-hmm. uh, that have led to the traumas right. of the black experience in America. But with it, it's also still some people that uh, that I've run into that's like, well, I'm, I'm not that and I don't even want to talk about that mm-hmm. and let's forget about that, which mm-hmm. I disagree with that whole mm-hmm. concept. But when you hear that form of rhetoric, mm-hmm. what's, what's your response? Well, I always say you're, you're, you're your choice of response is your choice. And we have to remember that many people, this book, The Warmth of Other Sun, she talks about people who left the South to go North. Many people, there were thousands of people, there was the greatest migration ever mm-hmm. of uh, black people coming from the South to the North uh, in, in search of freedom and all kinds of things. We have the book here, The Dawn of Detroit, which is in the 1700s, uh, talking about slavery here in Detroit and some of the street names that we have here. So you can be really, uh, Uh, saddened and hurt and depressed and angry about it. And that's real. That's really true. But then we have to look at what people do to to continue on. I heard a man say one time, the best resistance is to live well. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, I got to think on that. The best resistance is to live well. And because when you live well, you're living free of a lot of stuff. You have to really free up your mind. So part of the beginnings of source booksellers was the the reuse of a, a phrase that I learned when we took the uh, trip to uh, uh, ancient Egyptian study tour. It said, free your mind, return to the source. So the source is a source of knowledge and information and understanding so that then we can begin to take action in our own behalf. Mm-hmm. And I think those, you know, people who are expressing some of that there's a there's a lack of knowledge there's some faulty thinking there's a lot of shame that people experienced having to leave their homes or leave wherever they lived and come here I, I can tell you people who left had to leave the south with just what they had on their back because yeah. they had to get out of there and so they're not going to keep repeating that story over and over again to some will not others will uh, yeah. uh, for a variety of reasons and some of the information has has left us with the people moving on, you know. Whereas I I yeah. would say for me, mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. Sure, I find the history fascinating just sure. because it's the I, I still recognize there's still people, but mm-hmm. I recognize like the ingenuity, the mm-hmm. thought process, mm-hmm. what they saw as reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as I find out more about just from my Detroit is different interviews, because mm-hmm. it generally always starts with, you know, who's the first family member you had in Detroit? How did they get here? Mm-hmm. And I've even finding out now that like um, not only were families close together, but certain neighborhoods and blocks were like, it would be like all people from Alabama are here. All people from Mississippi are here. Mm-hmm. All people from, and then even like how the migration would happen. Like, you know, people mm-hmm. from Arkansas would mm-hmm. go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like people from Mississippi, mm-hmm. Georgia, uh, like certain states would migrate to mm-hmm. the city of Detroit mm-hmm. versus others. Like I find that fascinating that people collectivize mm-hmm. under like uh, not necessarily like one rule, but it'll be like mm-hmm. it, it's a it's interesting. Yeah. And then how we you know how you how how then 
the that impacts the grocery stores. Sure. Well, you have you to know, look, things it, like that. It helps to kind of make a little bit of a comparison there. Any, any groups that could go somewhere, they will find other people in their group. Yeah. For example, right now in Hamtramck, uh, there was a time when we had a large black community in Hamtramck, mm-hmm. a Polish community, and now we have a large Bangladesh, Bengali, Bengali yeah. Beng, uh, community. Mm-hmm. So people will go where they have some friends. Well, I want to go back to your response to people who mm-hmm. are like, don't want to talk about the embrace richness the history. and mm-hmm. kind of embrace it. So we have a we have a book recommendation for them. Hmm. Um, it's called My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Meckham. Hmm. And it's about trauma because that's sometimes why people don't want to approach things because they are feeling some type of trauma related to it. Um, painful. And, painful. Mm-hmm. And so his whole book is healing from white supremacy hmm. from the traumatic experience that is um, white supremacy that was really passed down through the generations and resides in our DNA mm-hmm. and uh, I it, I definitely that sounds like the next book I'll be yeah. buying for you all <laughs> as I often say that yeah. as it's I mean it, it's I speak it very matter-of-factly, and a lot of people say, I don't think that, I don't subscribe to that, but I I, I personally, car back to Kari Frazier, mm-hmm. I think racism is the strongest institution America has ever built. built. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, so to 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 shake it, you're changing some of the, the ethic at which America was founded upon. Mm-hmm. So like the the concept of it in, in, in white supremacy, mm-hmm. uh, and some people don't even like that term, but like it's a it's an ideology that's even bigger than like, you know, like it's not like Joe, the white guy yeah. that I know. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is a, a, a dogma. It's it's a it's a it's a it's such a strong concept. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm look I definitely that seems like uh, that will definitely be the next book I'm, I'm buying yeah. because mm-hmm. I speak a lot of that and I'll probably get some other talking points yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. and then, then uh, we, we have to also understand that generationally sometimes it takes a generation or two and sometimes three to be able to look back at something without the same kind of uh, of pain and mm. shame and yeah. resistance and all that and so you're sort of in a position where you can look at it whereas maybe Two ancestors ago, Mm-mm. you they might not have been able to look at it at all. No. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get real mad with the expressways because I remember when the expressways came to Detroit, mm-hmm. and how that um, the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was a very nice uh, neighborhood for black people, we were on the west side, as they said, it was you know we're working class people and all working people and all, uh, but it took people's houses out. Yeah, I mean they just took the houses out. One was my uncle's house. He had a lovely two-family flat house. Uh, part, part of the family lived upstairs, and he lived downstairs. And that house is now gone. It's in the middle of an I-94, you know, yeah. things like that. So my anger with that may not be as... Uh, uh, it's not. I can see it from more of a matter-of-fact sure, concept. Sure. Mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mom was, uh, this is my grandmother's home, but yes. now it's my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I have the house next door too. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. when Davison, the first freeway yes, was yes, built, yes, yes. My, my mom was a child. Yes, so yes, like yes. she knew people that 
you know used to be over there yes especially my aunt so like it's a different Mm -hmm. idea yes uh when this neighborhood was like you know the stories that i know of this community and Mm -hmm. i and i see just from growing up in the 80s it's Mm kind of like it's weird it's like what i see versus what other people see is completely different yeah well i have to uh, mention uh, one of our local uh voices uh, marcia music uh who Mm -hmm. wrote a book wrote a uh, article called uh, the kidnapped children of Detroit. Hmm. And she comes at this uh, problem from the point of view of a child having playmates, and the next day they're gone Mm -hmm. because of the the housing, they called it blockbusting at the time. Uh, And so she comes at it from that perspective that all of a sudden the children were gone, they must have been kidnapped, where are my friends? (laughs) And so that, that stays with us, and I just thought that was a brilliant way for her to talk about uh, a problem that existed in Detroit and still exists in the minds of many of us, uh, but uh, but in, in the mind of a child, she couldn't understand where did their friends go. Yeah, you know? and, and it's and it's things like you know the Kerner Commission report and books on uh, you know the disparities of home ownership that you mm-hmm. learn about the FI mm-hmm. you, you know my mm-hmm. grandfather was a World War II veteran sure. but he had he did not get the same crack at the advantages right, right. in home ownership that right. his uh, white the, the white soldiers that mm-hmm. died you mm-hmm. know fought for the flag as mm-hmm. well he was a wounded veteran actually yes. uh-huh. so I mean that, yeah. like those realities and then you find out like okay HUD mm-hmm. was an institution built but really balked from mm-hmm. people like uh, the Trump family mm-hmm. using HUD money <laughs> that is supposed sure. to empower sure. black communities, mm-hmm. but it only empowered the uh, the wealthiest uh, mm-hmm. realtors in America, mm-hmm. you know? So it's those things and that yeah. comes from books. Yeah, and you certainly mm-hmm. have to unpack and unwind and, and look deeply at, at things too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I often think about the rich history and culture of literacy and literature in the city of Detroit. We have a wonderful community of poets in mm-hmm. Detroit and writers in Detroit. And many of them do write about the pain and suffering, but many of them write about the beauty too. That uh, I read one something at one time that this person had said, uh, that Dostoevsky had said in, in one of his books, he said, uh, beauty will save us. And when we can see the beauty of the world and the beauty of our living and life, that can take away some of the edge. No wonder we have people who paint and do sculpture and all the things that uh, uh, reach into the um, creative part of our personalities. So Detroit Mm. is rich in that regard. We have wonderful Yeah, I I look at Broadside Press the way a lot of people see Motown. Mm -hmm, That's true. But that's that's how I see it. And then I look at people like Mama Annette or Gloria House, uh Dr. House. Congratulations Mm -hmm. to her. Yes. She's an eminent. Big homie. homie. uh, But yes, very graceful, Mm -hmm. um, very, you know, Mm -hmm. beautiful in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It would be like, yes, I remember when Stokely would speak. (laughs) I'd expect you to be like, ah, but well, one of the things that we also do at the store is that we have lots of events. Yes. In fact, we brought a little paper here that has all of our events. Well, most of our events for March because it does change up as we go through the month. They're on our website, too. They're on the website, sourcebooksellers.com. And we're going we're gonna to post this in April. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link to the website mm-hmm. and I'll put up some events. But you all do focus on poetry, too. And you focus on different types of only books. In, only in April, really. We, we pay attention in to poetry because mm-hmm. it's not really one of our major categories, although mm-hmm. we have some. But in January, in February, we had a um, 
new event that we have not had before, and I hope to repeat it a couple more times this year. I was very inspired by the New York Times Magazine section that uh, featured in its holiday issue uh, African-American male published writers. And I thought, and they had a huge number of, of people from all around the country and so on. Most of them were novelists, playwrights, biographers, uh, poets. And um, I'm, I didn't know a lot of them, you know, but mm-hmm. they were there. So I said, well, I know we have published African-American male published writers here in the metropolitan Detroit area. So we had five on the 24th of February as a store. And the idea was for them to read from their works. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted people to get in touch with these men, really, who are here in the metropolitan Detroit area. Some are known, some are not that well known. And one of our people that day was uh, a, a poet who'd been writing for 50 years, Wardell Montgomery. <laughs> and um, uh, he read from his poetry and it was, it, it so touched one of the ladies in the audience because he really wrote about uh, 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 the abuse of females in a work situation that, that was mm-hmm. part of the theme of the poet. And she couldn't believe it. She said, oh my gosh, if all, all people could just read that. Mm-hmm. So you never know where these uh, lines of thought or ideas are coming from and what they mean to people when they hear. Mm-hmm. So in April, we're going to have a poetry workshop. Okay. We have that every year. Um, it's two Saturdays. And do um, I have to, what age do I have to be? It is poetry sick. for everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, you're not listening to poetry, you're writing poetry. Okay. Um, and this year, I think we're... We're um, also going to participate in the national... National event of Poem in po- Your Pocket. Poem in Your Pocket. <laughs> so we're going to be handing out poems for people to keep in their pocket, and we want people also to get a poem put it in their pocket and hand it out to somebody so poetry can be passed around to like many a trading people. Card. Like yeah. a trading card, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. So for the workshop, and I'll highlight that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I can just come. It'll be an activity. That's if right. If I've never written a poem That's right. before, exactly. I can still come exactly. in there exactly. it's putting and I'll pi- walk away with some poetry. That's right. Yes. That's right. Written by me. Yes. And then every Saturday morning from 10 to 11, we uh, uh, honor our section called uh, Health and Well-Being with Body, Mind, Spirit Exercises. So the first Saturday and the third Saturday is Tai Chi. The second Saturday is Qigong. The fourth Saturday is chair yoga. And when we have a fifth Saturday, which we do this month, we have belly dancing for anybody, male or female, doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Old or young, doesn't matter. Everybody right. can come. <laughs> All right. And um, before we get into the final questions, I always ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you all have any any books that you think that like right now you need to be thinking or if you just want to give the because I guess it's so many different sections so I'm going to just ask this question holistic book right now what 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 book right now is kind of hot there are people more interested in that that you find people gravitating to Um, the new health rules it's a small book it's got a lot of updated recommendations mm-hmm. of how to stay healthy. Not just a diet. Not just a diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So historical book right now. I think uh, Black Wealth. The. The book you read. Mm-hmm. Oh. Black Wealth. Color of Money. Color of Money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The other one um, that we didn't mention, we mentioned the, um, the uh, Color of Law, which is about housing policy. There's another one called How to Kill a City. Uh, that has a Detroit chapter in it and a, another one about um, evicted 
which the um, uh, WDET did a book um, club last summer and mm. invited everybody to read uh, the book Evicted. And then they went and had community conversations in five different places. Around like foreclosures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and evictions. But the um, How to Kill a City, we were lucky enough to have the author do sort of um, a tour date with us. And so um, he studies gentrification in um, New Orleans, Detroit, San Francisco, mm. and New York. Mm-hmm. And um, he stayed with us for a while, it feels like, to write um, about you know, his Detroit so you were just piece. Up and this I guy was, was like, getting yep. coffee every day. It was yeah. like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to start having to put stuff up on the show for a second. Yeah. No, we no, didn't, we no, didn't we know didn't he him. was in town. He was in town. Oh, okay. We just yeah. knew the book. When it, it came coming. out, we had an oh, arc. Okay. And we were like, what? Mm-hmm. And then we fought hard to get on his tour. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then also children's books. Mm-hmm. What What book is standing out there? Well, first of all, I want to say, as Allison's thinking, because she she really pulls in the children's things a lot, is that we um, use our same categories for children, mm. uh, or we call them the young reader, <clears throat> either mm. being read to or uh, a little bit older. We don't do a whole lot with middle grades, but a little bit. Uh, and so the history and culture, the health and well-being, books that are by and about women, metaphysical, spiritual, new age, and the arts. And one of my favorites during the holiday time, we've got to get it back in, was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And it, it rhymes throughout the book, but it, the subtitle of the uh, t- title is uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, I Know Exactly What You Are, rather than I Wonder What You Are. Mm-hmm. I know, and so it's a book about astronomy, and all the happenings in the heavens. And then when you get toward the end of the book, instead of being more um, sort of childlike, it opens up and there are big paragraphs on what is a nebula and what is a black hole and all that kind of thing. So uh, that's been a fun one. Okay. And so I'll speak of first a bedtime book, The Sweetest Kulu, is a book from um, a... Native Inuit person, um, woman, and the story is very beautiful, um, and it's really about that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the middle grade, I want to say that Ghost Boys from Jewel Parker Rhodes, mm-hmm. she is an author who writes a lot of historical fiction for children. So she's got a book, Two Towers for 9-11, and um, Ninth Ward for Katrina, Mm. and Sugar for Enslavement. Mm. And um, Ghost Boys is about um, young black boys being shot, um, and Emmett Till helps the children from today kind of navigate being a ghost boy, Mm. you know, like what, what that is. And she's very... Um, it does start off with a tragic situation, but you kind of understand history and understand the children and understand the situation more just through the reading of it. Okay. The other thing that we, uh, you may have caught a glimpse that we really try to do a lot of uh, books that will cross cultures, cross um, uh, ages and times and all that so that 
uh, honoring the fact that we have so many people in Detroit from many different places. And some of our issues are very much the same. So that, so that the books that we have will we'll have uh, like the Inuit category. There's one from uh, some from Portugal for the, the, the children. Uh, we have the DMZ, the for DM, Korea. the DMZ for <laughs> Korea, and uh, sort of all over the world because we really are global citizens. Mm. Okay, and with that, that leads to the last Detroit is different classic questions. Um, so for nineteen, I'm adding this one in. So I'll start with the new one. All right. So an alien comes down to Earth <laughs> and walks up to you and's like, okay. Take me to a place that you love the most in Detroit. And I'm guessing I know exactly where you guys will say it. (laughs) Well, I love Belle Isle. Oh, okay. (laughs) You can take a book and sit underneath a tree. By the way, uh, Belle Isle is uh, getting ready to have a a beautiful new garden uh, installed by uh, a very famous garden maker uh, who's putting a, a new garden in between the uh, conservatory area and the Carillon and the old Banshell area. And uh, pretty soon you'll be able to go there, similar to the High Line in New York or the Lurie Gardens in um, Chicago, uh, native uh, plantings and so on. So you can take a book to Belle Isle. Okay. All right. <laughs> see. And of course Probably. you'd like the, bu- the bookstore too. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I thought that that's exactly where he would go. Or she would go, or I, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, bookstore or library. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Which library? The main library, because there's okay. the Burton collection, and they have a they have a <laughs> uh, uh, a um, uh, display right now of Black Bottom at mm-hmm. the Detroit Main Library, which will be up until April, into April. And almost. we encourage everybody to go because it's a it's a beautifully done uh, show showing the streets and all of these streets have sort of disappeared now or kind of erased mm-hmm. as a result of not only the expressways but new housings, housing put down and so on and it helps people to have a little memory mm-hmm. restoration as to what was there. Mm-hmm. And when I, went to, when I went to visit the exhibit on the third floor of the Detroit Public Library, the main um, library, I was excited to see the children playing mm-hmm. in Black Bottom mm-hmm. or just the people like walking down the street that is no longer there. But a lot of these pictures are from 1946. And so it really does show that something was lost mm-hmm. and, and people were removed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So your very first, well, since you're speaking, Allison, I'm going to stay with you. Um, your very first car, what year make and model was the car and what year did you get it? My first car was a rabbit and um, it was 13 years ago. Okay. Yeah. My very own car. Mm-hmm. Where, Not where, a lease. where was the, uh, it could, it could have been lease. It could have been, uh, given to you or wherever, but okay. that's how you answer. Where was the first place that you drove when you got it? I'm home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a good place yeah, to go. Just drove home. Yep. So, so, no. the, the other thing is that uh, they got a car that they shared, uh, when they, when she and her sister, my sister and I, yeah, they shared a car and, uh, in their last year i think or two at spellman 
Yeah. It wasn't right away, but they got this old old uh, car. Okay. And I was it was an old Honda. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, okay. okay, you all can drive yourself to school because we've been I'd been mm. driving them. And then my brother said, oh no, they can't go by themselves. <laughs> the car. So he okay. drove behind them all the way to Atlanta. Oh, that's a that's a good uncle for you. Well, he's good. good. He's good. That's he's a good. good. Uncle for yeah. You. yeah. We were thankful. Yeah. He was like, hey, watch that mountain. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but he, the funny part is they were up front. They, he was driving behind them. They weren't following him. Mm-hmm. He drove <laughs> yeah, he, all the way down I-75, so it was funny. So um, where was the first place you went when you all had the car to share? Um, Probably to the fruit market. Okay. Yeah, in Atlanta. Okay. All right. For you. Oh, my first car was when I was... Um, I started teaching in Detroit. My uh, youngest brother, uh, who's passed on now, had an old um, 19-something uh, Ford. It was a, like a 1950, it was a real old car. Mm-hmm. And I inherited it from him because mm-hmm. he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And it was the first car I had because I could. Uh, I, I started teaching. In, uh, and so it didn't have much of a floorboard. <laughs> Oh, man. And so it was really kind of rough in the wintertime. And so Mm. I had to keep my clothes, you know, kind of up a little bit so that they didn't get snow and slush on them from the car. But we we managed to get around okay as that. Where was the first place you went with that car? I I probably went to school where I was teaching. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So next question. Um, if you're a DJ at the end of the Detroit fireworks at Woodward in Jefferson, you get to play three songs and the fireworks just ended. What three songs are you playing? I have no idea. Um, let's see. A Michael Jackson song. Yeah. An Aretha song. Um, Nat King Cole. He was just a hundred year birthday this week of Nat King Cole. Hmm. Okay. And the last question, if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Call Call me me young. young. (laughs) Uh, He's obviously the most, uh, he's the most, uh, (laughs) the most said person, but why for you? Well, I think Coleman Young was a pivotal, uh, figure in the history of Detroit and at a time when we were struggling he stepped down from being a senator a Michigan state um, senator uh, he had fought hard in the labor movement he was a Tuskegee airman he brought all of that intellect and and uh, energy to the office of mayor and the pride that we felt of that was just great. Now, we have a little book at the store called the Coleman Young Translation, uh, I mean, the quotations, and it's just been um, kind of uh, changed up a little bit, a new edition. So there's a lot of little information in there about Coleman uh, and what he did, but I I heard them talk about him when they moved his um, painting of him over back over to the um, Coleman A. Young Municipal Building from Cobo Hall. And one of the people was uh, was speaking about him. They said he knew every department in the government. He also had two people in leading each department. One was white and one was black. And he knew them all well and knew what their work was. So the impact of Coleman Young is we have yet to really appreciate. 
because so much of what's happening today, he had in his mind, he had the idea of, of uh, parks from bridge to bridge. The idea of farm a lot has grown into the Detroit way of urban agriculture, so to speak, uh, which came out of really the gardens that people had because they came from places that had gardens, came up from the south. And, of course, we had the Victory Gardens that came along after uh, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt in the World War II. The people mover that keeps on rolling. Mm, which is our really our uh, unique uh, driverless vehicle in the city. Somebody had to remind me that. He, they said, you will, you're far ahead. You've got a driverless vehicle right here for people. So the impact of him was, was huge. And he was a very smart and quick-witted person. Mm-hmm. So there we have it. Okay. You concur? I concur. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Make sure you visit Source. Booksellers. Uh, you're going to be Source Booksellers. Make sure you go. Uh, get some information. You definitely need to buy a book. And you get to meet these two. More than likely, they will More than be likely. both in effect. Unless uh-huh. you, it, It'll be a rare occasion. A rare occasion, like right now. Like right now, that's yeah. right. So but that's not happening. Yeah, so I could just tell the listeners that uh, we're there 11 to 7 every day, 12 to 5 on Sunday. Um, I'm usually the closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are others that are there uh, earlier in the day doing many other parts that need to be done at the store. And Allison is there a lot, too. She has an, another um, job as well, but she's there a lot, too, and handles a lot of our special events. So keep your eye on our website, Facebook, Instagram, email, Pinterest. Yeah. That's coming yeah. up. So, <laughs> so it'll be all in full effect, but more so uh, definitely respond. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, this was a fun 2019 start. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.